Hi there, I'm Wesley Van Hoosen, and I make good food. I also have bad friends, but bad in a good way. On Good Food for Bad Friends, I'll have a different guest on each episode to learn all about their history with food. We'll talk about anything from the foods of their childhood to the deep-rooted culinary traditions that they've incorporated into their everyday lives. Along with each episode, one or two recipes will be released to you through our website. These recipes are researched, adapted, and tested by me, and they're inspired by the conversations I have with each guest. I hope you subscribe and tune in as I talk with all the different people in my life about their experiences with food. Available everywhere from the Arcadia Podcast Network. Welcome, everyone, to We're Getting a Dog. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to We're Getting a Dog. Oh, and this week, we're talking about Labrador Retrievers. Labrador Retrievers. Also, Dylan, you forgot to mention, this is our last episode of season two. I did. I almost forgot to look at the camera, too. I was <laughs> talking to you. Either way. Either way. It's our last. It's our I can't believe it's our last episode of season two already. Yeah. I mean, I know we switched to the weekly yeah. for this season and we're probably we're gonna keep it that way but and we crank out seasons two months at a time so yeah it's just crazy that <laughs> Although we're this like, one we stretched to three because we added more had some technical difficulties there my god you guys Sorry about that yeah so you know it turns out when you go you know so here's what happened <laughs> i got home from like christmas vacation and i was getting ready to edit you know our episodes for the week they were supposed to come out which is before new year and i plug in my laptop in and nothing happens. <laughs> Didn't it turns on? There's like five percent battery, and turns out that I the charger died, so I had oh, to yeah. wait to get a new charger. And now we're back. Yeah, one extra week of holiday break. Yeah, but we're finally back to finish up season two. Awesome. All right, so lab retrievers, let's let's get to this. All right. So, what do you think of when you think of labs? I just think mostly of like the commonality of them, I suppose, and how. Yeah. I always think of Labs as like the most ubiquitous dog, like the dog dog. I suppose. See, this is, I think, where you and I have a difference because I tend to think of hounds that way. <laughs> right. More oh, so than retrievers. With but with, with Lab retrievers, I definitely think of it's the not quintessential American dog per it's se. the number one dog. But it, I mean, among, yeah. yeah. But I, I do think of it as a quintessential dog type, yeah. if that makes sense. Sorry, that's, that answer is so convoluted. It's just... <laughs> I don't know. I, I've I've grown up around labs, and I guess I've just always known them to be like a lot of people have them. They're not like a, a rare breed. Well, I think of just a ton of fun and energy. They are fun to <laughs> see. Endless playtime. I know. I've never really had. I've never really spent like an adequate amount of time with them to get to know them as a breed. Just like, you know, my aunt and uncle have one, but I just. You know, I only get to see it for an hour or so. and Yeah, I've probably so taken care of labs more than any other breed. Walking dogs and doing sittings. Okay. So a lot sense. of experience, yeah, labs. And they are possibly my favorite breed. I'm very excited to do this episode. And I was always very interested in their story, what little I'd heard of it before. It's from, like, those Dogs 101 videos. Right, right. Like, yeah, 
other walkers and my bosses recommend to watch just to get to know breeds sure see to me labs i guess also sort of are i think a lot now that i'm thinking about it more i think a lot of like um like dogs for the blind and like service animals i definitely i see a lot of labs yeah they're also a big working breed yeah almost all the time it's it's a lab sniffing dogs yeah that's gotta sniff something get a lab or help with anything really just very come service dogs therapy dogs they seem very intuitive for sure yeah so let's get into the name labrador Ooh. so the labrador retriever so is the number one most popular dog in the u.s uk and canada wow it's all three yeah i didn't know that <laughs> it's probably one of the most popular dogs in the world sure uh, i can't help but think that success has something to do with the name labrador it's a pretty word right I mean, I suppose I really <laughs> only it. associate it with the dog, so I guess I don't really know what the word comes from. I mean, Labrador seems very regal to well, me. J.R.R. Tolkien loved the phrase "cellar door," and it's considered by many to be one of the most beautiful phrases in the English language. Cellar door. Cellar door. It was in Donnie Darko too. I think it's referenced a lot. Interesting. It's pretty close to Labrador. 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 I suppose it it is a very pleasing word to say. It is not to take away from the dogs themselves for their success. It's better than you know, like beagle great or you know. But it's a marketable name. It is definitely, especially because it can be abbreviated easily to lab because everyone calls them labs yeah. colloquially. It's not a hard abbreviation to achieve. Yeah, totally. It's also easy to say as a longer word. So Labrador, Labrador. means farm worker in Spanish. And one theory suggests that Spanish fishermen around Newfoundland in the 15th century named the Labrador, but that doesn't line up with any of the research, any of the rest of the history. I think that was just made up. That's included some things as just a story. So using Labrador as a name, not just like the word farm worker, actually has Portuguese origins. Okay. A Portuguese explorer and landowner named Jao, wait, J-O-A-O, Fernandez. Joao. Joao Fernandez explored the coast of Greenland. Okay. Lavrador means landowner in Portuguese, and he was also a landowner. Okay. So Labrador was first used as a name for like a section of Greenland. Maybe it was Lavrador first and sure. changed to Labrador over time. Sure. And then eventually that name made its way to Canada. Huh, okay. Just a different region. I feel like I've seen on maps like Labrador or like something like that before and always like made that connection as far as like it's just the same name. Well, Labrador is a region of Northeast Canada, which is part of the Canadian province, Newfoundland and Labrador. Okay. Do you say Newfoundland or Newfoundland? Because I think this is like a... I think it's supposed to be Newfoundland. You're right. I don't know. I thought maybe it was like a... Like a regional difference, how we say different some words differently from each other. I think Newfoundland's right. Is it Newfoundland? See, I say like Newfin, like a fish fin. Is it New Brunswick or New Brunswick? New Brown, New <laughs> New Brunswick, New Brunswick. I don't know. Is it Quebec or Quebec? It is it's Quebec. Quebec. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Go on. <laughs> so this episode uh, has gotten me deeper into Canadian history than I ever thought possible. Wow. So, you know, it's really complicated. Turns out. You know, 
I just judging from the South Park episodes I've seen about Canadians, I would say yes, it probably is complicated. I always imagined Canada like was owned by mostly England and then a little bit of France, and then sometime in the eighteen hundreds, they all just went, Let's be our own country. Turns sure, out was, sure, okay. It's a lot more complicated. Newfoundland and Labrador didn't join Canada until nineteen forty nine. So was it its years after World War Two. Was it its own like thing. Uh, at that the Dominion time? of Newfoundland was its own country from 1907 to 1949. Oh no, that's not very long. In history bet, before bet, that just gets more complicated. I bet the war killed it. That's my guess. But <laughs> World War Two? Yeah, <laughs> it's always World War Two. I don't know. I feel like they probably weren't too involved, but maybe. Labrador has uh, most of the province's land area province of newfoundland and labrador okay but only six percent of the population so it's, it's about all dogs <laughs> today it's about twenty-seven thousand people spread across a region twice the size of illinois wow very sparse yeah and uh, the labrador peninsula is a giant canadian peninsula which includes most of quebec and labrador fun fact uh you know minnesota has ten thousand lakes yes Quebec, so I would assume also the Labrador Peninsula, since it's most of Quebec, uh, has over half a million lakes. What qualifies as a lake there? I mean, I, I assume mean, the same qualifications land, we have here. I guess I don't know what the Unless the metric lake are. is different from I don't know. <laughs> Imperial Lake somehow. <laughs> so Labrador retrievers did not come from Labrador or the Labrador Peninsula. <gasps> What? But, but Newfoundland. Okay. So just like next door. Yeah. The islands on the east coast of Canada that overshadows Labrador because it actually has people. Right. You know, more than just a few thousand scattered across yeah. Canadian forests, I'm guessing. And tundra. I don't know. A, a cabin every few kilometers. Yeah. There's not a whole lot of information on Labrador. Not. I mean, if it was only acquired in the 40s, I wonder if it's kind of just like an afterthought. There is some kind of like territory dispute between Quebec and Newfoundland over Labrador. I'm really not sure why. There's always territory disputes with Canada. Yeah, so it's weird that like Newfoundland and Labrador is its own providence. Labrador is just like a slice cut right out of Quebec. Strange. With almost no people. It's so strange. (laughs) Borders are so weird. It is. And then it wasn't part of Canada until 1949. English traders uh, brought St. John's water dogs, which were also known as Lesser Newfoundlands, back to Britain. That's a sad name. Lesser (laughs) Newfoundlands. That's, you know, to distinguish them from Newfoundlands. I suppose. Bigger dogs. (laughs) And then they bred them with English hunting dogs to create the Labrador Retriever. Okay. That seems pretty straightforward. Yeah. So why are they called Labradors? It's because it's England. It's always England. It's always England. Even when you think it's going to be Canada, just once, it's England. It's England. They take everything. They do. <laughs> they take it all. They, they write it. Pretend it's theirs. <laughs> like it was theirs the whole time. So the Labrador uh, is descended from the St. John's water dog. St. John's is the capital and largest city of Newfoundland and Labrador, the province mm-hmm. islands. They're also known as the Lesser Newfoundland. Not to be confused with Newfoundland breed, which is closely related, but larger and fluffier. Ooh. <laughs> it's like it's like the um, Pokemon of 
dogs. <laughs> what? <laughs> One's bigger and fluffier than the other. <laughs> okay, like the evolved form. Yeah. Okay. That's that's the word evolved. Yeah. I didn't do the Pokemon. Pokemon of dogs. <laughs> These fishing dogs uh, have a long history on the island of Newfoundland and date back to at least the 1600s. St. John's water dogs uh, would accompany the fishermen in the boat and dive in the water to retrieve lines or nets of fish. No, nice. Like any good water Pokemon. Yes. Like Vaporeon. Scottish Canadian explorer W.E. Cormac wrote in 1662 about water dogs he encountered while traveling through Newfoundland. Mm -hmm. He said they were admirably trained as retrievers and that the smooth or short haired dog is preferred because in frosty weather, the long haired kind can become encumbered with ice on coming out of the water. Oh, no, that's not good. So I'm guessing these were like, I don't know, either ancestors or pretty much St. John's water dogs in Newfoundland. Sure. Something similar. It's like a smooth-coated one and larger, fluffier one. Yeah, yeah. And St. John's water dogs were well, preferred in the ice. Wouldn't it would be better, too, for the smooth-coated ones to be swimming anyway, just because there's less density to contend with? Oh, with yeah. With fur. Yeah, I'd think less hair when swimming would be better yeah. in general. But I think Newfoundlands are also swimming dogs. Maybe it's not as much in the ice. Perhaps. We don't know. They're closely we'll related. They're also water dogs. So, uh, <clears throat> St. John's water dogs were similar to modern black labs in appearance, uh, except for a distinct tuxedo pattern on their chest. Ooh. So while the St. John's water dog has been considered extinct since the 80s, Many lab mixes near the Atlantic coast of Canada still have that tuxedo pattern, like oh. the white patch. And it's okay, like, as part of the breed. Sure. Like, it's, it's not good for shows, but it can still be standard. As Your recently, black lab so with a little white patch. That dog like went extinct. like the only different colors. One. Sorry, that dog went extinct in the 1980s? Uh, yeah, it's said to have, like... Wow, that's recent. Yeah, it wasn't, like, an official breed. It was, like, a working breed. Mm. So it wasn't, like, I don't know, as documented, so... It's, it's probably, sort of around. It's just like been replaced with labs. I think, right. More. It was like one of the breeds that was like a transitional one. Oh, yeah. We have a picture of the St. John's water dog, Ooh. too. So you can see they're pretty similar in appearance. Here we go. Oh, wow. I love it. I like that a lot, actually. Very, very classy looking dog. Yeah. So, uh, so for those of you, sorry, for those of you listening, it's an all black dog, but it has like a, a white, a tuxedo pattern basically means it has like a intricate white stripe down its front yeah that might be a more recent photo of a lab that just resembles it for Saint sure water dog but either way think. um yeah it's pretty much yeah like. it, it it is very attractive though as a coloring pattern oh, yeah. so colonel peter hawker was a famous english sportsman <laughs> who traveled to newfoundland in the early 1800s peter hawker <laughs> He was very impressed by the St. John's water dogs, so he and other British nobles brought several back to England. The dogs were originally known in England as Little Newfoundlands. Better than lesser <laughs> Newfoundlands. Yeah, more appealing. <laughs> oh, Little Newfoundlands. Oh, that's better. Oh, these are the lesser, <laughs> worser Newfoundlands. The dumb Newfoundlands. The second Earl of Malmesbury. Fixed my mic. Second Earl of what is it? Mansbury. The Second Earl of Malmesbury. Second Earl of Malmesbury. Was he was an early adopter of the Little Newfoundland, and he loved them and arranged to have them 
like have more imported. Oh, nice. It's always, you know, got to have that nobility. It's like, import me more of these dogs. <laughs> Go find them. I love these little Newfoundlands. And his son, the third Earl of Malmesbury, is credited for renaming the breed Labrador for reasons unknown. Like, I don't know if he came up with it or if it's like a secondary name that he popularized. I, I don't he know. He just got it confused because territory dispute. <laughs> Newfoundland half Labrador, me, I don't know. Half me wants just to believe that he's like, you know, I like the word Labrador. You'll <laughs> be the Labrador better. Retriever. <laughs> Does sound good. And made the most popular breed in the world. Yeah, for sure. Well, and actually Brit just Britain, US and Canada. Perhaps not the world. In the world of people listening to this podcast. <laughs> Probably the most popular documented breed in the world. I, I would I would even argue to say it's one of the most documented breeds oh, yeah. in the world. So there's little consistency uh, to the breed at first, but the British used their renowned dog breeding techniques to standardize and refine the breed. Mm. This process was helped with two historical events of the 1800s, the dog tax in Newfoundland and the British quarantine laws, which effectively ended the import of dogs keeping the lines of Labradors in both regions, like, the same. Okay. Like, all in one pool. Got it. Okay. And uh, and made record-keeping for dogs much more common. Well, you know. It's important for quality breeding. Yeah, well, especially when the breeding. English are like, you know, we could take credit for this. <laughs> <laughs> Who was your dog's great-great-grandfather? According to our stud book... <laughs> We shouldn't make fun of the British so much. <laughs> I like British people. Well, but I it's mean, true. They did invest heavily in their breeds as yeah. far as record keeping and, you know, showing and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we have them to thank for how weird dogs are in a lot of ways. True. That's very true. Generally. That's very true. <laughs> thank you, British. Thank you. For making dogs weird. <laughs> Number one priority <laughs> on the customization <laughs> scales. So... The Duke of Buccleuch. Oh, God. I don't know how to pronounce this, and it's it's an English name, so you'd think it'd be easy to pronounce. I can't even pronounce English. Buccleuch. Buccleuch. <laughs> B-U-C-C-L-E-U-C-H. Buccleuch. So anyway, in the 1890s, he had a black lab named Avon. Buccleuch. It's pronounced buckaloo. Well, that's much better. There's better ways to <laughs> spell that. So buckaloo's Avon uh, is considered to be a foundational dog for the breed. His pups were described as liver colored. Okay. So that's like a brownish. Yeah. And then later came renamed to chocolate. <laughs> so the lineage of every chocolate lab today can be traced back to Avon. That litter. Very liver nice. puppies. That's nice. Maybe he had multiple litters. I don't know, but Avon at least. Sure, sure. I don't. I mean, that's always a solid one. It's always solid when the record keeping is just that blunt. It's like, and it goes back to here, and that's when it started. Yeah, yeah, eighteen nineties. It's very much a, a a cleaner history than I think some of the other dogs we've looked at over this season for sure. Yeah. So if you have a chocolate lab, it's great, 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 great times what fifty, a hundred, something to the whatever power. <laughs> However old dogs are when they, I don't know, have babies. You know, 
they usually wait two or three well good breeders i guess usually wait a little bit longer longer until they're like four or five or four i think five is like the the end five they're only they're only 35 (laughs) yeah but i mean you also have to think about you know if a dog okay, hits so its fit, if, if, if the dog only lives for 10 years, got to be at least three. I mean, I mean, five might even be too late to have puppies. As long as they have a stable home life. It's like, I really income. don't know. That's a deep dive we have not done. Is when is the prime time to have good health insurance? I mean, a home, a good dog house. <laughs> yeah. Nice backyard for the puppies. The Kennel Club of England, or the Kennel Club. It's yeah, it's English. just the kennel club because yeah. they they matter more. <laughs> They're the first. They were one. the first. Yeah, uh, they recognized the Labrador Retriever in 1903, and the AKC recognized them in 1917. Ooh, a bit of a gap. Oh, yeah, bit pretty of a early World though. War One gap. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more popular in Britain first, and came a little later to the U.S. Well, and you know that makes sense considering the timeline of people who were in England looking to establish their aristocratic lines in the United States and spread into international commerce and stuff like that. Yeah. I'm guessing like Newfoundland was probably closer to England too than Canada just in terms of relations and Oh yeah, for trade. Sure. Oh yeah. Well not only that, but I feel like at that point the that was still very much like the frontier of America. That was not like south of Canada. In fact they might have still the been west. under the crown, I'm not sure. So we'll get more into the history later. Okay. Now we're going to talk about the appearance. Ooh. Here's the AKC's description. Okay. The Labrador Retriever is a strongly built, medium-sized, short-coupled dog possessing a sound, athletic, well-balanced conformation that enables it to function as a retrieving gun dog. The substance and soundness to hunt waterfowl or ex- or upland game for long hours under difficult conditions the character and quality to win in the show ring and the temperament to be a family companion so okay, in other that's words, the first sentence oh my god really yeah. <laughs> that's one sentence yep okay i need someone needs to go to the akc and do some grammar because <laughs> that is a run-on sentence well there's another hunting dog it's medium-sized which a lot of the large dogs have been Talking about for season two, a really just medium size. That's true. I think we, I think that when I say big dogs, I kind of underestimate how big a dog can actually get. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. But labs seem to be, I think labs would be like the biggest for me that I would like in a house. Really? Yeah. What about Mastiffs? Those are huge. Exactly. That's adorable. <laughs> that, that's such a leap in size. Exactly. Physical features and mental characteristics should denote a dog breed to perform as an efficient retriever of game with a stable temperament suitable for a variety of pursuits beyond the hunting environment. The most distinguishing characteristics of the Labrador Retriever are its short, dense, weather-resistant coat, an otter tail, a clean-cut head with broad back, skull, and moderate stop, powerful jaws, and its kind, friendly eyes, expressing character, intelligence, and good temperament. The AKC. They do have nice eyes. They do. And an otter tail. And an otter tail. I used to say it was like a beaver tail because like, it just smacks everything. They're pretty powerful, The those tails. Definitely like... are. And they help them swim. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. It's for swimming. Oh, I didn't know that. That's why they're otter tails. Oh, I thought that was just like a 
like a, a physical appearance description. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. The Labrador's distinctive coat is short, straight, and dense. It's a double coat with a hard outer coat and a soft undercoat. Okay. Which is ideal for staying warm in cold waters. But being very dense and tough also helps protect the lab's skin, like in harsh terrains, mm -hmm. like when they're hunting. For sure. So all the swimming with the otter tail and dense coat. We have a video Ooh. of a lab dad teaching his puppies how to swim. They're little otter tails. Can you see? Oh, yeah. Aww. They're like, wait, wait. <laughs> They're the cutest puppies. Well, one is like ready to go. Yeah, he's the brave one. Really looks like a little blonde otter. He swims around. Yeah. Most of the puppies don't want to go, though. Oh, this is so cute. Maybe someday. Is that the same one or is that a different one? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Aw, the otter. He never just picks them up like otters do. Or what is the what's the other one? No, there's another breed where they just kind of oh golden retrievers kind of just drag them around a really? little bit. Oh, there's a there's I saw a video of like an otter mother just dragging a child into the water. Aww, so cute. It's like get excited, get excited to get in the water. It's splishy splashy. <laughs> so Why don't a, you enjoy this? This is a big family of yellow labs. Oh, very cute. Family. And labs come in three distinct colors. Black, yellow, and chocolate. Ooh. So black was the original color, and it was supposed mm -hmm. to be only black for a little while. Okay. That was the standard. But yellow and chocolate were accepted pretty soon after. I, I do like a chocolate lab, yeah, personally. Beautiful. I like that color a lot, the liver color. Yeah, chocolate makes it sound better, though. I can see why they changed it. <laughs> I mean, I, there's still breeds, though, that call, like, bloodhounds or liver. They're not chocolate. I thought they were blood-colored. No. <laughs> they have red bloodhounds, though. Right, yeah, the red ones. But they're not blood-colored. <laughs> oh, okay. They're not just, like, Clifford the Big Red Dog? No. God. <laughs> what kind of dog was Clifford? You know, some sources said he was a Labrador, but uh, further research said he wasn't. Something else. I would Hungarian say more like breed. Cocker Spaniel or a Spaniel breed. Because no, so, he has a sources, giant head. Sources differed on Clifford's breed. That's a deep dive again that we have to do. <laughs> what is Clifford's breed? Standard black labs, uh, are, like we said before, are still allowed to have those white patches on their chest, the reminiscent of the St. John's water dogs. I just hit puberty. <laughs> tuxedo. tuxedo. You gotta get a tuxedo for the middle school the dance. <laughs> I guess by prom, your voice should have dropped. I, I mean, hopefully, but <laughs> if you're going to the freshman prom, your school has that. The ho homecoming dance? <laughs> exactly. My school didn't have that either. But. What? Oh, I went to all the dances. So, uh, yellow labs, they come in a variety of shades from almost red to like almost white, but not like completely red or white. Mm it's like a wide variety. Chocolate labs also come in a variety of shades. I actually used to walk a pair of chocolate labs. <laughs> like I said, you like pictures of sometimes Snapchat. Yeah, yeah. That was like, was that when we like started dating? Uh, I walked them for a while up until the pandemic started. Okay. See, all the dogs you have now are mostly different from the ones you had from before the pandemic. Yeah, I used to walk a lot more labs. Not yeah. as much anymore, but yeah, sometimes you, still. I mean, all they're all cute still. But the chocolate labs I walked, one was... 
milk chocolate and the other was dark chocolate. Mm. Definitely. Not Mounds and Almond Joy. Mounds and Almond Joy. <laughs> Those would be great names for him. Though. Mounds. Joy. That'd be a terrible dog for a name, Mounds. <laughs> that it would imply that they poop everywhere. <laughs> that, I guess Why that's is true. he named Mounds? Why do you think? Maybe don't name your dogs <laughs> after chocolate bars. Gross. Whatchamacallit. So I also have a video of uh, three, all three lab colors playing in the snow. Ooh. Oh, God. Come on, Bear. He leaped right out of the truck. Bear's always too eager. Ah! Chief is cautious. <laughs> I love taking labs out in the snow. They always love it. I they freak out in the first snowfall. I know. They just dive right in like it's water. Beagles are like that too, actually. I think hounds in particular like snow. Yeah, a lot of dogs love snow, but a lot of them hate it too. Wow. Oh. <laughs> bound, bound, bound. So happy. And I found that labs can handle like almost any temperature. It's never too cold for lab to yeah, want to walk. Like, um, the one thing I was going to say about uh, labs being durable in different kinds of weather, um, I think that might actually be one of their biggest reasons for like their appeal is because they can live everywhere. Well, they I can, think they don't do quite as well in the heat. Well, I think they're very durable in like the cold. Like but as far as like, like the snow or the like types even below of, zero temperatures, for sure. I guess considering like the types of dogs you would want to have in a winter, in like either a winter environment or like someplace like where I'm from, like Nebraska, where it yeah. gets hot but it also can get freezing cold. Yeah, where you're like not in a desert, but you know they can sure. handle like yeah. yeah, like I think that Midwest that's, summers generally. I think that they're just you know so. Um, I'm sure you can keep one in a desert, too. You just have to be careful. <laughs> right. I don't know. I guess what I was trying to say is, like, just the fact that they can adapt yeah. to climate rather well. It kind of lends them to being a popular breed because they, they're active and they can do things in yeah. different kinds of weather. Yeah, definitely. And so Walk over any terrain with their tough skin. They are a wall of dog. I mean... <laughs> My aunt and uncle and cousin's dog, Sunny, is a yellow lab, and she is... Jump on you. Yes, but she's so sweet, but she she's, thinks she's a lap dog. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So adorable. <laughs> it's all muscle, though. <laughs> so here's the AKC's description of the temperament of the Labrador. Okay. True Labrador retriever temperament is as much a hallmark of the breed as the otter tail. The ideal disposition is one of a kindly outgoing tractable nature eager to please and non-aggressive toward man or animal okay the labrador has much that appeals to people his gentle ways intelligence and adaptability make him an ideal dog aggressiveness toward humans or other animals or any evidence of shyness in an adult should be severely penalized oh that's a little <laughs> severe <laughs> what does that even mean <clears throat> like as far as like if it, you're showing the dog and it misbehaves or is shy, that's like a penalty well, against the dog or. Well, here's what it says. Uh, the temperament might be the most important part of defining a lab as their utility depends on it. Mm. If a dog does not possess true breed temperament, wrote a noted dog judge, he is not a Labrador. Now back to Labrador history. So Labradors have been the most popular breed in the U.S. since 1991. 
And I think the best way to show this rise in popularity is to talk about individual dogs. Okay. Which uh, this isn't something we normally get to do because most dog breeds only have like a few like individual famous dogs, yeah. if, if any at all. Yeah. Half the time I feel like a lot of them are animated. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's a cart. Yeah. I feel like I find a lot of cartoons I mean, more than I do real dogs. <laughs> Some of those here too, but good amount. <laughs> Wikipedia has a list of famous dogs that I often go to for research in this section. Yeah. Wikipedia has a separate list dedicated specifically to famous Labrador retrievers. <laughs> God. So we already talked about uh, Bucklux Avon. Early Buckaloo. Buckaloo. <laughs> Buckluck was what Buckaloo. I made up. It was a fun one. The other one. He was the early Labrador that was the father of all chocolate labs. Yes. In, in 1899, Ben of Hyde was recognized as the first yellow lab on record. Ben of Hyde. Yes. I think it's usually of, I don't know, whoever the owner was. Or like maybe the, the kennel club or something like that. Oh, yeah. Wait, no. Maybe that's the place in Britain. Oh, well, there's there's like Hyde Park yeah. in London, but I don't know if like other places. <laughs> there's Hydes all over the place. Hide from that 70s show. There's a Labrador retriever. There's hide and seek. So the black lab named Blind was the first dog to be featured on the cover of Life magazine in 1938 after winning number one U.S. Retriever Stake of the Year. It's like a retrieving competition. Okay. So wait, the very first dog on the cover of Life magazine ever? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So ever and of Labrador retrievers. Yes. Okay. So Blind's owner was Averill Harriman, a politician and diplomat who served as the governor of New York and secretary of commerce under President Truman. So I believe that was after <laughs> his work with him. Blind. Okay. The crypto, Superman's canine companion, <laughs> dates back to 1955. It is often depicted as a white Labrador, although the breed is never specified. Okay. See, crypto would have a different meaning today. It would mean internet. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. Is there like a cryptocurrency named after crypto? Crypto has a K. I don't know. Oh, after kryptonite. Okay, yeah. I get it. Dogecoin was big. What about crypto coin? <laughs> crypto coin. <laughs> I think you have an idea, <laughs> sir. <laughs> we'll make trillions. And... And money that is theoretical. <laughs> and we'll keep making more and never, ever stop. So Spike, who played Old Yeller from the movie Old oh, Yeller. Old Yeller. Was a Labrador retriever. A although he wasn't a lab movie. in the book. No, it wasn't a lab in the book. No, it was a yellow something else. Old Yellow. It's from Bob's Bird. <laughs> we just watched that episode, too. <laughs> right, yeah. 1972 now. Back in, the, in now into the seventies, play disco. Well, disco wasn't nineteen seventy-two. Andrex is a British brand of toilet paper, which in nineteen seventy-two used a Labrador puppy in their commercial, and the Andrex puppy became one of the most famous British ad campaigns of all time. Didn't Charmin do that too? Or well, not Charmin? The, the same company uh, owns Kleenex and Scott, and they make similar lab puppy commercials for U.S. brands. I was gonna say it's like. What dog is the toilet paper dog? <laughs> Zeke the Wonder Dog is a stage name for a series of frisbee-catching dogs that have performed uh, during halftime shows at Michigan State University. 
Spartan football games. Wow. Since 1977. Still to this day? Uh, they're, yeah, they're now on Zeke the 4th. Wow, that's cool. It's cool that that's like a that's still a tradition. I yeah. bet that that breed is or that family of dogs is very like. I think they get well different loved. dogs. Just I don't know any student that has a trained oh. Labrador or any dog that can catch frisbees. I just imagine if you like walk down the hall of their like sports, their like you know sports building. There's like framed photos of Zeke one two three. Or like when one Zeke gets old, Four. there's like a giant line of Labradors. There's like auditions <laughs> yeah, waiting. for Zeke. Like American Idol labs. <laughs> you don't even know. I'm going to be the best Zeke you've ever seen. You'll see. <laughs> All right. Now we're getting to uh, sniffing dogs. Doing some serious Ooh, work. The trailing dogs. Zangir is a detection dog who detected arms and ammunition used in the 1993 Mumbai serial explosions. Uh, he helped recover 57 country-made bombs, wow. 175 petrol bombs, 11 military bombs, 242 grenades, and 600 detonators. Holy crap. His biggest contribution to the police force and the city uh, was the detection of 3,329 kilograms of RDX, which is a powerful explosive. He was honored with a full state funeral. Was this died. like his entire lifetime he did all of this? Or was this like... This a was over the course of his career, yes. Wow. That's intense. Was a lot he, of different yeah. things he did. I love how when dogs give an exceptional... Sir, I mean, all service dogs are exceptional, but when there is one that does really do something that prevents you know hundreds of thousands of lives from being lost yeah. that they get a state funeral yeah and that's like common around the world that's not just like certain country I, I i think that's a really um interesting cultural commonality that yeah and what's interesting have. like i couldn't find like a ton of history on like earlier like service dogs like especially not like famous ones being recognized i don't know maybe labradors just weren't as used as much well, I wonder if until the '90s service dogs. Sure. I don't know. I know as guide dogs and stuff like that. I feel like even in illustrations of guide dogs, it's just a Labrador retriever. It's always a lab. But yeah, it really comes to. Oh, this is the first point in history. It's a very famous service mm -hmm. dog. Did a lot of important stuff. Yeah. So then, Bill Clinton adopted a three-month-old chocolate lab, lab while he was president in 1997. The Clintons already owned a cat named Socks, who received fan mail, and he Socks hosted the children's version of the house, the White House website. So he's a very famous cat, way more famous than Buddy, the dog, Chocolate Lab. Buddy and Socks did not get along, so they're oh. kept separate in the White House, oh, separate no. quarters. After the Clintons' time in the White House, they decided to keep Buddy and get rid of Socks. <laughs> they gave Socks to personal secretary, Clintons. I wonder if, well, maybe the Bill. cat formed like a really nice bond with the personal secretary. Maybe, yeah. They're kept in different quarters. Yeah. Or maybe they just hated Socks and never wanted to admit it to, admit it to the press. Yeah. That's like, why God, we hate that cat. <laughs> trying to give him away to people. He's getting fan mail. <laughs> it finally worked. So that was 1997. <clears throat> On to 1999, Labramon is a dog-like Digimon oh, based God. on the Labrador Retriever. Digimon. Very famous digital monsters. And Not also, my show. Also in 99, Family Guy premiered. 
with the family dog, Brian Griffin. Brian's a lab. He's supposedly a white Labrador who talks, drinks martinis, and drives a Prius. I thought he was just like a generic Snoopy parody dog. Yeah, I always thought so, but it's supposed to be a Labrador. Huh, interesting. I would have never, ever guessed that. So Endal was a service dog from Britain mm-hmm. and was the most decorated dog in the world. Wow. <laughs> Receiving the highest honor animals can receive in the British military, as well as being dubbed Dog of the Millennium. How do you spell his name or her name? E-N-D-A-L. Is it a boy or a girl? Um, <laughs> It is a dog. He. He, okay. A boy dog. So, so Endel was a... Uh, oh, sorry, what? No, go ahead, go ahead. So Endel was always an exceptional service dog, knowing hundreds of commands to help his owner, a disabled Royal Navy veteran. And uh, actually at one point when he couldn't speak, it might have been at first, uh, Endel responded only to sign commands. Wow. So it helped him like pretty much everything day to day. For sure. Endel uh, was the first dog ever to be trained to operate an ATM card, putting it in the ATM, taking it out, and putting it back in the wallet. Okay. Like he original trick of his, or not trick, but that's service. Interesting. <laughs> interesting. I mean, hey, it's useful, and yeah. it would be a great, a great. I mean, he like, did all sorts of things. Hey, do you guys want to go to the go to Chase Bank and see what my dog can do? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when you're disabled, you need <laughs> that's what the dogs are. I, there yeah, for. I, sh- I mean, I'm not making fun of disabled <laughs> people. I'm just saying, if you had a dog that could do that, well, I yeah, would want to show that off world. as a skill. Definitely, if you're I'm only not in the making world fun can of do disabled it. people. <laughs> Well, there's pin Debit numbers now. now. Is that a part of it too? Was that a part of it then? I bet the insert chip cards are easier for dogs now. <laughs> I would debit. I yeah. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Maybe it was for the dogs they did it. I always wonder why they changed it. <laughs> because of national security. <laughs> it's because of the dogs. It's okay, to help okay. the dogs. So anyway, Dindle was a fantastic service dog for yes. the Royal Navy veteran in Britain. And Endel became famous in 2001 during an incident where his owner was knocked out of his wheelchair by a passing car. And Endel was able to put him in the recovery position, bark for help, and then run to a nearby hotel for help when no one responded. Wow. So he saved his life. That's crazy. I wonder what the thought process is, too, is like. I need to get it's like I the dog is just seeking something where there's lots of people or maybe like lots of lights or things like that. I wonder yeah, I like I wonder I, what that I think he was he was in front of the hotel. They oh, might okay. have been staying at the hotel. See, I imagine time. it's like he gets knocked over and the hotel's like blocks away and it's oh, like no. a lassie right type situation. <laughs> he was just barking at the hotel. <laughs> came out. No, he went to the front desk. <laughs> it's like fine, I gotta I'm not waiting in line. Told the lady <laughs> Not a treat. Okay, quick treat, but <laughs> more important. But give it to me after. <laughs> so, so yes, and Endel got the most important or highest honor a dog can receive. Awesome. Dog of the Millennium. Dog of the Millennium. Yeah, a lot of very impressive tricks, too. The last millennium or this millennium? I guess it'd be this millennium because he was famous from 2001. So, also in 2001. Uh, was the September 11th attacks. Yeah. A lot of uh, very helpful service dogs. Oh, yeah. In the recovery. 
Omar Riviera's Yellow Labrador, guide dog, Dorado, uh, helped him down from 70 stories from the upper floors. Wow. Dorado led Riviera down 70 stories before Tower 1 collapsed. According to media reports, uh, Riviera even tried to release Dorado so the dog could have a better chance of survival, but the dog wouldn't leave a side. Mm. I feel like... Even this, this, despite extreme noise and confusion, just walking him down 70 stories. Wow. I think that really, you know, is just... it. Talk, that is such a highlight of the level of focus that a dog really has. I feel like it's almost unattainable yeah. in a way for humans. How, you know they can have all these things kind of coming at them, but they know like they have one task and it's to get their human to safety. So I don't know. I think that stories like that are always very, you know, heartening. Yeah. And there was also Jake, a black Labrador. who became a national canine hero after burrowing through some white hot smoking debris in the uh, 2001 September 11th attacks. He he also later on helped search for Hurricane Katrina victims. Two thousand five. See, this is such a fascinating thing about service dogs and search and rescue dogs is that pe- the owners it's all volunteer based. I've been looking into this, and we'll talk more about it in the mini so that's coming up. Mini so it's coming up. But um, the one thing that they always talk about is how you know these dogs. A lot of the time, they'll be at one one major search and rescue operation and then they'll be seen other times at other major national disaster sites just because they're, they're the so reliable and they're the, yeah they're the most trained and they're they're, they're men- proven their owners are also mentors for all the people who are starting to volunteer their dogs in search and rescue right so it's such a connected network of people and it's i i really like that it's kind of like a league almost of these oh, yeah. of these kinds of dogs yeah so they breeding it's just bettering bettering each other yeah oh yeah so uh oh as a puppy jake uh, jake was abandoned with a broken leg and a dislocated hip uh, but as an adult uh, became one of fewer than 200 u.s certified rescue dogs and it was described by a member of the 9-11 federal search and rescue team as a world-class search and rescue dog nice. world-class rescue dog <laughs> nice Later on in 2005, John Grogan had a book called Marley and Me. Oh, God. <laughs> and uh, it was a true story about a mischievous lab that grew up, that you know, the family grew to love over time. And the movie came out in 2008. With Jennifer Aniston and Owen Wilson? Yeah, and everyone spoiled it all the time. For what should really you've seen coming? It's a movie about a dog's life. Yeah, I, I don't, don't. Yeah, not only that, but I feel like I feel like it's it, on some levels, it's like tear bait. Yeah, like 100%. it's not. It's it's just kind of beyond storytelling in that way. I mean, like I don't really remember the movie much. Beyond I in never a bad read the way, book, but like not be the book. I've read the book. The book is really good, and it's you know. Is it, it about like raising a dog? It has elements of that. It's also about family and it's about, yeah. you know, the overall importance of like seeing past mistakes made and things like that. Because it has like a, a grasping theme to it. And the dog is the central 
focus. The twin black labs, Lucky and Flo, were counterfeit detection dogs. Oh, I love this line of work. <laughs> it's like my favorite line of work for dogs. <laughs> they became famous in 2007 for sniffing out nearly 2 million unlicensed counterfeit DVDs <laughs> for the MPAA while working in Malaysia. Dogs are trained to sniff DVDs. Among other things. Yeah, they can't tell counterfeit DVDs from regular DVDs, but they find DVDs wherever they are. And they continued this work in like Queens, New York. And following a multi-million dollar, following the multi-million dollar six arrest Malaysian detection, uh, they became the first dogs to be awarded Malaysia's Outstanding Service Award. And software pirates were stated to have put a 30,000 pound contract out for their lives. Wow. But 2013, Orange is the New Black came out. I never liked that show. Really? I liked it when it first came out, and I don't know. And I didn't I like the book either. I lost interest after a few seasons. I lost interest in the book like halfway through. I, I, I think it just, I don't know. I think it's just like a, a genre that I'm not fond of in the first place. So Big Boo had a young lab named Little Boo. It was a therapy dog in training. Mm -hmm. It's interesting, like little therapy dogs in media now. Yeah, it's definitely becoming a, a, a burgeoning, like, type of training to have a dog do. In high school, we had therapy dogs. If you had to, like, have an emotional row with your counselor, they'd have therapy dogs available. Wow. Squiggles. His name was Squiggles. So the final dog we're going to talk about is Sully, who served with former President uh, George H.W. Bush during the last six months of his life. And he was noted for his role during his funeral in 2018. Oh, yeah. I remember yeah. watching his funeral, and there was... They, like, highlighted Sully on the news. Yeah. They're like, this is the president's Yeah, and I think he did a, had other service dogs before Sully. Yes. But, I mean, he lived to be, like, a million, so... Right, yeah. That was crazy when he passed away because we were all kind of like, oh, my God, Jimmy Carter's still alive. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only shock. That was the only shock. And we're going on to questions. Okay. Like, how dumb is this dog? Not very. No, from not at all. My, from what I'm going to guess. <laughs> Might have guessed from the history there. They're pretty, pretty smart dogs. Oh, yeah. They're number seven on Stanley Corrin's list. The intelligent okay. rankings. Sure. And, you know, their long history of versatile work mm -hmm. really shows there. One of the smartest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And when it comes to grooming, labs are about as easy as it gets. So Just... The coat sheds a lot, but weekly brushing and like occasional baths, whenever they smell or are dirty. Yeah. I mean, it should keep their coat nice and healthy. But no, no need for professional grooming for this breed. Oh, no. Not like. That's good. That's a plus. Not a mandatory for me. all the time. Because I don't want to pay for it. Unless you have trouble like <laughs> uh, with their I don't know, nails or ear cleaning. Sure. Basic dental care. That's yeah. really all they'll need in that. Yeah, nice. Yes. That, that also, again, might lend to why they're so popular is they're easy on the grooming. Well, you might be wondering, why why are labs the working dog? Sure. Used for so many different things. There's adaptability, intelligence, their size. They're like big enough to, you know, do, you know, physical tasks, mm -hmm. like put in ATM cards, they'll be tall enough. Yeah. But they're also small enough to sit under tables. Sure, yeah. Like on an airplane even, although not anymore, I think. Phasing out 
No, wait, they're phasing out therapy animals in airplanes. They're phasing out still service. Ones. You can have service animals. You can't have emotional support right, not animals. The emotional support animals. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I would not want to fly next to a snake. But I would want to fly next to a dog, even if someone got it on the plane for dubious reasons. <laughs> I feel like we're all missing out, except, except people, for people allergic to dogs, maybe. See, I don't think it's a they dubious a thing. I think that people just took advantage of a rule. <laughs> yeah, that's really it. Or a lack of a rule, rather. But Or of, you know, the service for people that... See, and it also kind of degraded the fact that service dogs are highly trained dogs like that, like, you know, that go to the blind and, you know, yeah, emotional support. There's like, no, you could register a hamster as as long as you claim it's giving you emotional support. That's all training. (laughs) Wow. Loopholes. (laughs) (laughs) So, oh, yeah. And easy grooming is, is a big part yes of why it's like the working dog as sure well. sure so, you know a lot of people with disabilities like can't like groom their own dogs right regularly. yeah so you might be wondering what about all the other colors of lab puppies what about all the other <laughs> colors of lab puppies well we have a video of them to close out this Ooh. podcast our audio listeners you can check out our youtube page if you want yeah to watch our show on adorable YouTube, videos y'all. we're reacting to Thanks for listening. Tuning in to our second season. Uh, it's been great. It has been. It's been fun. Yeah. We're coming back with a third, so. We will. Uh, ah. <laughs> they're the cutest puppies. They are. I, I'll never forget when we got, or when my aunt and uncle got Sunny uh-huh. as a puppy. Oh my god. <laughs> it's like the Andrex puppy. They got her on Christmas Day. <laughs> like a Christmas movie. So many of them. It's, so, it's like overwhelmingly adorable. It's like your brain just can't even handle it. All the colors. All the colors. The lab oh, his full paws stuck. It's biting on the plastic fence. He got out. He's done. Yeah, y'all. Oh, if y'all want to watch these very cute lab puppies, you can watch our episode on YouTube. Or just look up lab puppies on YouTube also. <laughs> uh, oh, Don't do that. Watch, watch us on YouTube. <laughs> Mom's like, what are you doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, they're the best puppies. They are. Did you learn a lot about labs? I, you know, their history is very long. But it makes sense. They're highly documented, and I think their track record speaks for themselves as far as just being a good dog. And I definitely learned more about a breed that I already liked. Yeah. And, you know, already kind of knew the merits to. I definitely want a lab now. <laughs> I, you know, even yeah. more. I still am more I of a did, golden retriever I... person, but. I mean, I've always wanted to have a black, yellow, and chocolate lab. All at the same time. Yep. That's a lot like of that dog. Guy. Bring him in a truck into the snow. <laughs> I would like to, I, you know, I feel like having a lab would be fun. I would want a chocolate lab, personally. I think that's the least common color, though. Black is still the most common. I yellow. would love a black one, though. I do like the look of a black I think chocolate can lab. be a little more expensive, even. Yellow is not, I don't know. Like my aunt and uncle have oh, they're the yellow. Adorable. They're adorable. Yeah. They're the, they're kind of like the the poster lab. I feel like, but I do like 
chocolate, I guess, the most. Yeah, they're beautiful. But I mean, hey, someday, maybe we can have a lab. A whole herd of them. Maybe not a whole herd of them. Pull our sled. <laughs> to prove they can do it in the Iditarod. <laughs> We're living the tundra. Like, <laughs> just trying, you know, just trying to help prove labs. Was there anything else? Their you athletic abilities. To add to the to no, our show for this season. Yeah, thank you all for listening. Yeah, thanks in. everyone for for watching, watching. or listening for, to our show this season. We're gonna be doing some mini sods. Yes, coming up for, um, for the next month or so, and then we'll return with season three of this show and, and what's our what's our theme for next season medium dogs <laughs> medium-sized dogs other dogs which will stretch Just the definition dogs. of even more for than sure we did small and large dogs what were you gonna say oh check out arcadia podcasts arcadia podcast network's other podcast yeah you can look at good food for bad friends which i host yeah. uh we're gonna be releasing a show uh hopefully this month about sitcoms so that yeah. will be fun it'll be fun that um, big D energy big D energy is part so of our you. network now and i'm in that show and then we're also doing another show with aaron coming up but right? i won't talk about that you'll have to watch oh, D energy to figure that one out you only get four podcasts for now <laughs> <laughs> only four only only the four. Thank you, everyone, very much. If you want to support our shows, you can go to we'regettingadog.com slash support and check out the different tiers we have available there. Otherwise, we wish you a very happy rest of your beginning to 2021. Happy New Year. Yeah. Well, yeah, we haven't seen you since New Year, so happy New Year. <laughs> as happy as it can get. All right. Well, cool. And Dylan, why don't you take us out? Remember. If you want to help control the pet population, have your pets spayed or neutered. That was pretty good, right? Mostly. It's fine. Wesley Van Hoosen and Dylan Naylor are not pet professionals. Any advice regarding pet ownership and the responsibilities thereof taken from this program should be checked with your veterinarian. All episodes are researched thoroughly, fact-checked, and additionally researched during post-production. Annotated bibliographies of every episode can be found at we'regettingadog.com slash bibliographies. This podcast is hosted by Dylan Naylor and Wesley Van Hoosen. If you'd like to reach out or submit a photo of your dog to be featured on our social media, please contact us at WGAD at ArcadiaPodcastNetwork.com or on our Instagram at We're Getting a Dog. Thank you for listening to We're Getting a Dog from the Arcadia Podcast Network.